0: A is for approved and learn more about the Lima laser. If you're interested in trying one today, you can sign up for their newsletter. Tell them that Food Heals sent you, and please let me know if you order one. I want to hear about your results. Again, it's Lima dot life. L-Y-M-A dot life. Food Heals Podcast, episode 154.
1: It's all with the mindfulness and witnessing. You know, when we know our behavior, we can begin to change it. If we're not even aware or we're in denial, that's where the problem is. Holistic Voice presents the Food Heals podcast with your hosts, Alison Melody and Susie Hardy. Join the Food Heals nation and learn the secrets to go from feeling unwell to healing yourself.
2: Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, an increase in sexual activity,
1: feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in tinder matches. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to put in their Lululemons and take a yoga class while drinking a green juice. If you experience
0: any of these symptoms, text your priest immediately. Welcome, Food Heals Nation. Thanks for joining us. I'm Allison Melody. And I'm Susie Hardy. And this is our third interview in the Spirit Junkie podcast series, and we're coming to you on a Friday this time. So remember, we've got a ton of bonus episodes throughout the month of June, especially for you. Today, we're bringing you an incredible interview on a topic we haven't spent a lot of time on, and it's how to transform our relationship with money and how to finally be abundant in all area of our lives. Oh, who doesn't need that? Ira, exactly. I'm surprised we haven't talked about this one sooner. Yeah. Well, you need the right person, the right guest. And Carla is definitely the right person to talk about. (laughs) And
3: this is a a tough one for a lot of people. Again, this is something I think everybody needs a little bit of cleanup on, if not more in-depth work. Well, we money, get, it re, you know, it represents so much to us mm-hmm. in different ways.
0: And we get a lot of stories passed down. A lot of stories. And those stories play out like tapes, and then they become our stories. So we got to transform those, those money stories. Hey, Alps. Obi agrees. <laughs> so we are really glad to be talking to Carla today. Yeah, definitely. Carla is a blogger. She's a life coach. And she focuses on freedom and wealth. And her goal is to support you in growing your wealth and growing yourself so that you are living the life of true financial and emotional freedom
3: carla says she's just a girl who has learned to heal herself working from the inside out creating a financially secure and free life for herself on her terms she believes that while financial strategy and income are important the inner work is equally important if not more in building wealth which is why she combines wealth building and personal growth in her teaching god I, i couldn't agree more i
0: know it's so true it's like you might have it. You might be a, a financial advisor and know exactly where your money should go. But if you don't believe that you are allowed to have money, or if you don't believe that money grows on trees and that there's an abundance of money, if you think everyone's always trying to take my money, you're always going to or be, you spend almost as much as you make. Yeah, you're always going to have such situ- situations that set you up to be in in those beliefs. And so I, I love what Carla is saying here. So. This is going to be a great interview, Food Heroes Nation. And I got to meet Carla and spend time with her in New York City at our Mastermind with Gabby Bernstein. And she was just a wealth of information, pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> and she just had so much knowledge and we bonded over some wine and some chocolate. There was this adorable wine bar we went to and after it was after we spent the day, we did the Sex in the City tour in New York. You did? Yeah, it was awesome. Oh, was it? it was
2: so fun. Aww. Was,
0: I should go do that. You should. So it's, it's so cheesy, but it's great. And then we might have ended up at drunken karaoke at the end what a you little bit I no know.
3: i know um, Never. food hills nation i'm just gonna tell you this secretly allison loves drunken karaoke i
0: i don't i mean it's not a secret i'm out i'm out <laughs> <laughs> i love any type of karaoke i love people singing i love music i love you it do. all you i don't do. care if they're good or bad if they're bad we just Look at them, smile if they're good. You're like singing along and you're so you happy. You are a great
3: person to have along on karaoke. Oh, I'm
0: super supportive. You are. Even if you're bad, I'm like, you go, girl. You rock mm-hmm. that stage, even if you suck. <laughs> <laughs> So today we're also excited to announce that Gabby's
3: Free Training video number two comes out and it is awesome. It's you can awesome. access videos one and two at foodhealsnation.com slash Gabby.
0: I love the second video in this training. It's amazing. It's free and it goes along perfectly with this episode because today's all about, you know, how to manifest and receive abundance. And Gabby's video goes through our three major blocks to abundance and then of course she talks about how to fix those.
3: You know what I really enjoyed about this Mm -hmm. this video is the myth busting part about knowing that's okay to charge money for anything you want to do in the world. Yes. Because it's absolutely necessary in this day and age you need to earn money and why shouldn't you be charging for what you're good at and what you love and this is something I personally had to Mm -hmm. overcome. Yeah
0: a lot of us have to overcome Mm -hmm. it. I mean we're still overcoming it so that we can create more and more in this world. Well most of
3: us grew up with parents Mm -hmm. uh, that didn't necessarily enjoy what they did or didn't weren't able to follow their dreams they had the kind of yep. nine to five i provided for my family but didn't yep. really love what they
0: did but now we have the internet and you can do anything you want so <laughs> that's right
3: what's your excuse what's
0: your excuse well my <laughs> i would say my old excuses. i didn't know and so that's why we're doing this series. Yeah. And that's why Gabby's doing her free training, you know, so that we have the knowledge and then we can take And the it support. Somewhere. It's a yeah. lot of support. It's the support. It's knowing our value and our self-worth so that we can create that life that we want and to be unapologetically exactly who we
2: are.
3: Yeah. So we also asked Gabby to tell us a little bit about what to expect in this video.
0: Roll it, Roxy. Roll it, Roxy. Hey, Gabby, tell us about your free video number two, the three major blocks to your abundance and how to fix them.
2: This video is amazing. This one is a game changer for people, game changer. In this video, I bust the myth that it's not spiritual to earn for your great work. If you're doing anything in the healing arts or spirituality or anything wellness oriented and you think that it's unspiritual to earn for your great work, then I'm gonna bust that myth here. And I share my step-by-step guide for bringing purpose into your career. So whether you're in a career that is day-to-day kind of corporate job, or if you're an entrepreneur, this is all about how to bring that purpose into your career. And the third thing I will teach are the three things that block your abundance and how you can fix them. So we're gonna cover all that in this video and it's all free, it's a 25 minute video, go enjoy it now.
0: So check out that video at foodhealsnation.com
3: slash Gabby. And next Friday on June 23rd, we're going to tell you exactly how you can take Spirit Junkie Masterclass Digital, Mm -hmm. which is Gabby's life-changing course that helps you gain the confidence and business-building tools you need to live your highest purpose, make an
0: impact, and earn for your great work. And you will be getting some incredible bonuses from us, which we will also announce on June twenty third. Until then, we wanted to give you a little taste of masterclass. So here's a short three minute clip from one of the courses on creating abundance and charging what you are worth. I just want to caution Food Heals Nation: there are some curse words in here, just so you know. Be prepared. Gabby gets a little passionate in this clip, as
2: do we. Yeah. So again, roll it, Roxy. When I first started off in this career. I was alone. Nobody was a life coach. No one was a health coach. We were all eating a lot of gluten. And sugar. And coffee. We weren't breathing. This is, what happens is, is that there is a balancing as things polarize in one direction. There's the light that will always balance that darkness. And that's the call that you have heard. Each of you have heard that call. You've seen what's happening in the world. You've empathized with what's happening in the world. You've held what's happening in the world. And all of that you've been holding and all that you have been experiencing sent you a little message, (coughs) a loud message. Said, let's go, shine bright. Go big. Now, in order to shine bright and go big, you gotta be able to pay your bills. And not just pay your bills, but have money to take care of yourself, nurture yourself, love yourself, feed your family, give back to the world, and be fucking abundant, okay? Every penny that comes into our businesses replenishes our being. It replenishes our energy field. It resurfaces our business. It pays our employees. It rents fucking amazing spaces like this. Okay? And if we don't get that and we don't own that, then we are not shining bright. We are not showing up. And if we don't fully accept that, then our clients won't want to pay us. If we don't fully own that, then people won't show up. And it is not something to be guilty about. I saw a lot of guilt in your surveys, guilt over, you know, who am I to do this? Who am I to charge for this? Look, I believe that energy is currency. Money is energetic currency. And I don't think you necessarily need to come out of the gate charging a million dollars for your work. You don't necessarily need to come, look, my first coaching clients, I charge $60 or it was free. Because that was an energetic number that vibrated with me at that time. And then I said, you know what, I'm gonna do these four-week group coaching courses for three, four hours a time, and it was $116 for a person. But I got 20 of them in the room, and so I could pay my rent. And then in time, I got busier, and I got crazier. And now, I'm gonna be unapologetic and tell you, my coaching fee is $450 for 40 minutes. On the phone. Okay? And I am so unapologetic about that because it's my hours and my time. And my time is my currency. And my time is my health. So that was an excerpt from one of
0: the courses. Um, It's called Principles for Running a Spiritual Business. Powerful, huh?
3: Where the heck was she 10 years ago? I needed that 10 years ago. I know. And now.
0: And now. (laughs) I still need it now. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And we can all get there. We can all get to our 450 or whatever it was per hour. Um, coaching, or whatever it is you want to do in the world, there's absolutely no reason that you can't get there. Mm -hmm. The only thing holding you back is you. Mm -hmm. And I'll rephrase that. The only thing holding me back is me. So I know that I can do anything. But if I doubt myself, then that's on me. Right. So we just have to keep believing in ourselves. So that's what this, really the Spirit junkie series is all about. And so this interview with Carla, I think you're really going to like it. I love Carla. She's a dear. She's so smart. She's so cute. So next up, our interview with Carla. The
1: Food Heals Podcast starts now.
0: Carla is a teacher
3: by trade, having spent 14 years in public education. She now teaches on her own terms, sharing life lessons and transformations to inspire you that you can be healthy and
0: wealthy. Who doesn't want that? Mm-hmm. Carla learned at a young age that the best investment you can make is in yourself. I love that sentiment. Welcome, Carla. Welcome, Carla. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's so good to hear your voice. I haven't seen you since New York when we were, um, you know, partying it up. Yes, that was so fun. <laughs> I was telling yes. Susie about karaoke earlier. Did you tell her how awesome you are? She knows how awesome I am. I know how, I know exactly Excuse how awesome me. she is with her skills <laughs> at karaoke. We also had some wine and chocolate and did the Sex and the City tour, which was fabulous. Was.
1: Um, yes, we know all about uh, Charlotte
0: and uh-huh.
1: Karen, Samantha's little favorite hotspots. And I left someone out. Who did I leave out? Miranda. Miranda, yes. Miranda
0: okay. always gets out, left out. No one ever wants to be the Miranda of the group, and no. she's the smartest, most put together one. And everyone's like, "Oh, I'm she's not also Miranda. neurotic." Yeah, she's neurotic. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be a Miranda because they I say can that be a you, mer- if you combine ner-
3: all four of them, they make the perfect women. Oh, Woman. that's that makes sense, right? Yeah. Kind of all, maybe not totally perfect, but pretty good, pretty well-rounded. Every woman
0: can see themselves a little bit in each one. That's the point. Well, everybody thinks they're
3: one. Which one do you think you are?
0: I'm a Carrie. Okay. I don't
3: know. I would, (laughs) Carla. Who? who, Which one do you think you are?
1: I don't know. I kind of lean between Charlotte and Carrie. Okay.
0: Yeah, I'm a little Charlotte. You're a little Charlotte, Allison. Yeah. Well, my dog's name is Charlotte, so. It's true. (laughs) Speaking of dog names. All right, let's go. I'm a Carrie. Okay, let's move on. (laughs) There's so many Carries in this room, I don't know what to do. Um, So, Carla, let's move into your interview. Um, You are a teacher, you're a coach, you help people do the inner work so that they can create wealth in their outer world. How did you get started and, like, why did this become your passion?
1: Yeah, um, gosh, it's one of those things. I mean, there, there's there been so many little steps. I don't have that like, boom, this one thing happened kind of moment. You know, I think overall, I was kind of in a place where I had done so much right in my life. You know, I had gone to college, I was a teacher, I had done my master's program, I was just doing everything I felt kind of was expected in life to be happy, like, do this, and you'll be happy, you know, Kind of those things society tells us, and I just kind of got to the place in life where I was like, This is it, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I worked my butt off. Um, I was a teacher, like, I made a good income, like, you know, I was in a good district, uh, making a decent income can complain totally. But at the same time, I wasn't able to do the things that were really within my desires, like traveling and just enjoying time with friends and family, I would have to say no to a
0: lot of things. Well, teachers are not
3: paid what they're worth in this country. Let's just say that. I do
0: agree with that. 100%.
3: Yeah. So it was just I kind of got to this point, I was like, life
1: doesn't have to be this hard. Like my life is meant to be so much more than this. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a pretty spiritual person. So in my world, I was like, my creator, I believe in God, but spirit, whatever people believe, like in my book, I was like, this is not what life was created to be, to just go to work, to work, to pay bills, to be slaves to the dollar. Yeah. And I'm like, our world is so beautiful. I'm like, we are really meant to enjoy life and, and li- really live. So I'm really about like living and enjoying life and freedom.
0: Yes. Um,
1: and obviously, you need money and wealth to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. So, how do we create that? <laughs> um, it's a pretty loaded question.
0: I know, Carla. Don't you have all the answers? In three sentences or I less. Do. Go. <laughs> I
1: do. Snap your fingers like three times and just say all the wealth is coming to me. <laughs> yes.
0: Well, I do believe in affirmations, so it's not that yes. off There you
1: go. <laughs> yeah, it was only that easy. I think all of us would have wealth. Right. Yeah, it is a pretty loaded question, but I guess to kind of – let me see if I can break it down in simpler ways for you or where I kind of bring in the inner work. Mm-hmm. I like to compare it to – well, you guys are food heels, a lot of talk about food and I'm sure in some of these podcasts you've kind of come across the message of doing some inner work in order to kind of change your diet or never heard it. of it. What? <laughs> <laughs>
3: right? I think we should change the name of the podcast to Inner Work. <laughs>
0: it's all about it's
1: the all inner we do.
0: Work. I know it's true. Right? Yes.
1: I, I mean, I don't want to discount the fact that we obviously need to know that you know which which greens are good for us. Of Bring course. some more kale into your diet. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, so there is obviously some education in knowing which foods are good for our bodies. Mm-hmm. But overall, I think we know, you know, we have to do some of that inner work. And it's really true for the our financial world, too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually I kind of say the two things that really show what's going on inside of us are our food and our finances.
3: Mm, that's good. It's true. So where did you um, learn that? How did you come across that?
1: Uh, probably through my own inner work. So I, you know, I've done a lot of work myself. I've had some great coaches, a great therapist, some great mentors. And, you know, just in doing my own inner work, you know, I naturally cleaned up my spending habits as I naturally cleaned up my diet and eating habits. You know, it kind of all the more I did on the inside, the less I needed from the outer world to kind of fill me up inside because I could choose foods that were good to fill me. I could choose things that actually brought me authentic joy.
0: You know what's coming up right now? I'm thinking about retail therapy, and I'm totally guilty yes, of it. But it's like when you, when you feel low or like things aren't going well, and you're just like, well, shopping and looking at pretty things makes me feel good. And look, I've done it. I probably still am doing it half the time when I'm shopping. But it's like that is fulfilling a need that can be filled in a different way. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: I don't want to discount the fact that sometimes you do just need a good retail therapy day.
0: <laughs> but I'm with always- you. I'm it's- with you. But it's if it's an addiction, which some I know people that shop every weekend. Yeah.
1: And I like to think, too, when I do do kind of things that are more splurgy, it is more like, you know what? I want to pamper myself. I'm going to go get a massage or a facial or, you know, so it's really are you spending your money that's in alignment with, you know, I just want to pamper myself or I really want a new dress because I want to look sexy for this date I'm going on, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's really kind of what's your purpose behind what you're doing. And just to really be mindful of that, because I think the problem comes in, you know, when your shopping becomes your drug of choice, Mm -hmm. you know, where food can be your drug of choice. It's, Drugs don't have to be actual narcotic kind of drugs or, you know, whatnot. So it's kind of like any addiction, you know, are you making choices that are really in alignment with your desires and what you really want? And are you feeling good about it after? Because, you know, I've done the retail therapy as well. um, (laughs) And I think we all have. Are you having like that guilt afterwards? Is the happiness fleeting? You know, when you go and get a massage and you just feel amazing after it's that kind of stays with you or. If you buy that hot dress because you really want to feel sexy and feel great on a date and you're gonna wear it more than once and you know, that feeling's gonna kinda last with you. It's not gonna just be that fleeting like, wow, that was a great high going shopping and now I'm low again tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's really what you want to aim for and how you use your money, you know, to really kind of use it for those true desires and really what's filling you up inside.
3: How do you relate to money? Because this is such a loaded topic for so many people. You know, everybody's got their stories about how they were raised with it. You know, for me personally, um, I came from a family that my dad earned it. My mom spent it. She did a lot of retail therapy.
0: (laughs) And I feel like that's typical in the U.S. Yeah.
3: And and they were kind of always at odds about how to save, how to spend. And I have done my own inner work as to how that affected my views of money. And Mm -hmm. it's such a loaded topic. So how do you... You know, what, what was your story about money from childhood through adulthood?
1: Yeah, so it's, I, mine is very different, I think, than most people's. My father was a CPA. And I say that because if you um, know much about accountants or CPAs,
3: they're super they, partiers. They're like
1: so hot
0: <laughs> I, and sexy
3: and just so spend hot. all the time. They drink, <laughs> right? no they hang out
0: they hang out the sex in the city that's just my
3: hollywood cpa
0: (laughs) (laughs) only in hollywood hashtag only in hollywood i'm
3: totally kidding all of my my accountants in los angeles are just like they are the rest of the united states i
1: would die to have seen my father
3: yeah crazy and
1: wild (laughs) and it's funny yeah because a lot of our accountants cpas they they can be a little more frugal very mindful of their money um My mother had passed away when I was young, but I think there was a little bit of that kind of, she spent, he kind of wanted her to save more kind of relationship. So I really kind of, after my mom passed away, really was just brought up with my father there and him teaching me about money. Mm -hmm. And he was very frugal and very conservative about how he he spent money. And so, you know, I, therefore my needs were always provided for, you know, Mm -hmm. I was by no means had wants, the spoiling,
3: the extras mm-hmm. and did you time, guys have I- generic cereal yeah oh yeah
0: okay <laughs> that says a lot okay
3: <laughs>
0: that says everything
1: the would actually buy us was kicks
0: yeah oh, um, i had kicks oh yeah
1: <laughs> super healthy but kicks because it it was the lowest in sugar that like us mm-hmm. as kids would be like okay with because yeah. he he tried to be a little conscious of what we were fed as well he tried but yeah, so he was a little more on the frugal side. So I definitely grew up, I mean, I babysat at a young age, like fifth grade, I started walking the neighbor for money to and from school. And, you know, I always grew up making money. And but therefore, I think because my father was a little more on the conservative side, I actually did a little bit of that, of that rebelling. And, mm-hmm. you know, because nobody ever rebels against what their parents taught them. <laughs> and, Ooh. Never
3: ever. heard of it.
1: Never. So yeah, I definitely went through that stage. Um, In high school, I earned a few hundred dollars a week and all cash Mm -hmm. and spent it all like makeup, clothes. I went to a private high school. So I think there was a lot of Feeling I wasn't spoiled. I didn't have all the name brand clothes or anything. So I think there was I was in this place of lack or you had to keep up. Yes, I was trying to keep up. You know, that constant keep up that really continues with us till adulthood. Yep. Adult if we don't change it. Yep. So that really kind of continued. And then even in college, same thing, like all the money I made I would kind of spend. But I also kind of had this other piece, which is very non-traditional, I think, than other people, is any money I was ever gifted, my father strongly encouraged, I won't say he made me, but I'll pretty much say he made me, (laughs) invest it. So I also learned about investing at a fairly young age compared to most people. That's awesome. That's what I want to teach
0: my children.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, and I can go just on and on about how amazing it is, but What And at the time, I really didn't know how amazing it was. It was kind of like, yeah, whatever. You know, our parents tell us things and you're like, whatever. I'm not retiring for a million years. You all are old. I'm just this young (laughs) 20-year-old. I'm going to be young forever. You're just worried about getting your first job and like not living at home or whatever. Mm -hmm. you know, so I went through probably well into my late 20s, even with not being balanced with my actual income. There was always this ebb and flow of I would spend too much, but then I might take on some jobs during the summer or extra work or, you know, do different things to kind of pay that off or change my living situation, do something where I would get that paid off, but I would never go into my investments or my savings. Mm -hmm. So even though I wasn't really balanced always in my monthly spending, I kind of always kept this safety net because there was just something that I knew About money, which was cash was king, and that was my ticket to freedom. And because of that ticket, I really truly feel like today I look back at kind of my career paths and different things I've done in life. And because I always kind of had that safety net of money and investments tucked away, I was able to take chances in my life because I was never in fear of not having food or not having a roof over my head Mm -hmm. or. XYZ. So even if I might have maybe had some debt at different points, I always would be like, well, my net worth is still more than my debt. And if we get into abundance, like that in itself makes you feel abundant. Right. So and that's something a lot of people don't really look at. They'll be like, well, I have a mortgage. Well, like, let's look at what you actually your net worth is. That's often more than your debt in a lot of situations.
0: And so what if someone is starting out and they're like, okay, I'm at a place where my debt is more than my cash flow. What can they start doing? And you know the inner work, the outer work. What would you recommend?
1: You still want to start looking at changing your habits and why you've gotten yourself into a place of debt. Sometimes debt isn't always bad. You know, if you're 20 years old, you 23. You've you know been going to college and you've been investing in yourself to get your first job. Like you know, you kind of got to get to a place where it's okay to have that debt. I think there's this blanket we kind of put on debt that it's a bad thing. And it isn't always a bad thing. You have to look at where is the debt coming from and why is it there.
0: I agree. Because for me, it's like I've been in places in my life where I have been in debt for my business. And this has been a learning process. It's not like I did this perfectly every time. Um, but because I've invested in my business, it's then paid back threefold. So in that case, I think that's when it's okay to be in debt if you kind of know what you're doing or you're figuring it out. When it's yes. not good to be in debt, is like we were talking about earlier, when it's the retail th- therapy when it's the keeping up with the Joneses, which are now the Kardashians, what have you, the makeup, all the things that we don't need, but we just want in the moment to make us feel better. And I think that's the difference. And what are the stories behind those reasonings for what you're doing? What are the stories? Why are we doing the things that we're doing? And if we can recognize that, then there's power in changing that. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's all with the mindfulness and witnessing, you know,
1: when we know our behavior, we can begin to change it. If we're not even aware, or we're in denial,
0: that's where the problem is. So true. And there was a book, I know we talked about this in New York, at some point over this weekend, we talked about Tony Robbins books. And he has the two books, Money, Master the Game, and "Unshakable," And they are very like, um, hardcore business and what to do, but they're also spiritual, and I love them. And I learned so much.
1: I completely agree. I would say every one of your listeners should pick up Unshakable. And I tend to steer people more towards Unshakable because it's an
0: easier read. Yeah, Money Master the game is extremely long and complicated. Yes,
1: Unshakable is almost more like the Cliff Notes, mm-hmm. and if you you know can digest that then maybe try go for the next one but it's just he puts it all there he gives you all the secrets he really talks about compounding interest investment how to make money with your money people really don't understand the value of compounding interest and that is huge in buying your ticket to freedom in life so what is compounding interest it's something that really excites me okay. <laughs> wow so compounding interest it's how your money accumulates over time. It's really, it's the multiplication of your money. So for instance, like $10,000 in the stock market right now. I don't know. They usually use the number about 8% as annual return. That's kind of a moderate, aggressive number. Mm-hmm. But the 8%. 800. Yeah, 800. You're good. In one year, on average, you know, the market goes up or down. So some years, it might be up more, some years, it might be totally down. But that's where the number 8% is just kind of a general average that is commonly used. So now after say 217, if you had this invested all of 217 on average, again, you'll then have 10,800. But if you leave that invested the next year, you're now at 10,800, and now you're going to earn 8% on that ten eight. So now you're earning $864. So that money keeps adding up and multiplying. And over time, like I did 10,000 one time, I was like, how much is 10,000 going to be in? say 30 years when I retire. And it was about $123,000. And again, that's left untouched. Mm -hmm. But that's the beauty. Like it's one of those things, like when you really realize the power of it, it's like, oh my gosh, this is a game changer, you know, $10,000 now $123,000 in 30 years
3: sick could pay for a year of living, you know? No, I remember taking a um, investment seminar for women once, and they said that the rich man's rate of return was 10%. Yeah. That if you consistently got investments where you got 10% back, that you would become rich. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and that's what a lot of people, it's probably the
1: biggest thing people don't do. And a lot of these books I read really talk about that is your ticket to wealth. Income pays the bills. It might get you ahead. You can get some money in savings, but it's very rare that just with income alone, you're going to create wealth or riches. You know, you can get above water without a doubt. You can create a, you know, a decent life. But if you really, really want that ticket to freedom and like a good retirement and sitting back and just allowing money to kind of come in the door when you're retired, or if you're really good at the game, you can do it, you know, sooner than that. But that's how you do it. And it might not be the stock market. There's so many different ways to invest. But Unshakable talks about some of that. So yeah, it's a great, great, great resource.
0: It really is. And I want to talk about two things. The first is that you said generally an income will not produce that. And I want to be clear that I think that you're talking about income from employment. And one of our biggest things is teaching people how, and what Gabby's biggest thing, obviously, is teaching people how to have their own businesses. And so right now we're really talking about how to maximize employment income. But another point is that whether you have employment income or you have a business income that's your own business, uh, one of the things you mentioned that was my Biggest takeaway from Tony Robbins' books is that if you have someone managing your money, they need to be a fiduciary. Can you please tell us why?
1: Yes.
0: yes. Oh gosh, I've interviewed lots
1: of fiduciaries. A fiduciary has to have your best interests at stake. Exactly.
0: And that was my takeaway. Yes.
3: Did you guys see that new movie on HBO about Bernie Madoff, The Wizard of Lies? I want to see it. Have you oh, seen it? Oh my God, Carla, have you seen it? <laughs> no, but okay. I probably should. So. Just FYI for our listeners, if you're new to investing or if this is all kind of Greek to you or you're like, that sounds interesting, I would say that watch this. Everybody knows the Bernie Madoff story. And it's a very interesting depiction because it shows what happened to the family, which was very sad, a lot of tragedy. But of course, this guy took, was it billions? Yes, I think so. Billions of dollars from people, from very famous people, from lots of people all over the country who trusted him. To make them money, and he was running a huge Ponzi scheme and taking money from new investors to give back to old investors to make it seem like they were making money, but he was just pocketing the money and spending it. And right. um, I mean, it was it was hard to watch because this this story of this guy who so many people trusted just completely robbed them. And you ha- and, and you just talking about the fiduciary, and then also them being able to be a broker. I feel like whoever you know, wherever you are at, you always have to be. The manager of your money. You always have to, you cannot yes. just be like, I trust you. I like the way you smile. I like the color of your suit. Here's my money. But yeah, I just wanted to say watching this for myself and and just like you always have to make sure you're the boss. Like, yes. like you know what's going on beyond the shadow of a doubt and that that your money is working for you and not the other way around and that you're yes. not just completely trusting somebody because... They say they're going to give you 15% back. Like you just, you have to be yeah. skeptical and you have to be cautious because there are people out there that will, I, I know a very good personal friend whose father was taken for $8 million by a Ponzi scheme. Oh my god! Yeah. So you have to, you have to just be knowledgeable and and cautious. Yes. So Like a want- CPA. Yes. Yeah. I mean. Honestly, CPAs
1: are really, they're kind of your best friend when it comes to your finances. And obviously trust one, interview one, um, ask for references, and above all, go with your gut feeling. And the other piece is when you do invest, you always want to hold it with a third party. So if you do work with a fiduciary, your fiduciary actually never has complete control of your money. Your money is held at a third-party broker, like Charles Schwab, maybe your Fidelity. Those are low-cost, common, popular brokers that people use. So the fiduciary would just have the rights to actually make trades, but they could never withdraw money.
0: That's good for the Bernie Madoff type of thing. And especially for people
1: that are just starting out, you really wanted to reach out to companies like Vanguard, Charles Schwab, Fidelity, these low cost brokerages, but that have fabulous reputations are very reliable and, and great. Those are really great places to start and just kind of with an index fund, they can definitely help you out and bounce it off your CPA. I go back to my CPA and I bounce a lot off of him, you know, and I'm like, Hey, this is kind of what I've talked to fiduciaries about. This is the message I'm receiving. This is my gut feeling. We punch numbers together. Even though the fiduciary acts on your behalf, you have to always remember with anyone, whether it's someone controlling your 403B, your retirement plan of some sort of fiduciary, They also are going to make money on you and they absolutely need to make money. you. (laughs) You know, that is their job, but you want to make sure your best interests are being looked out for. So you can't ever just assume someone is going to look out for your best interests. You want to take what they're telling you and, you know, if you're not knowledgeable in it, find someone else like a CPA or a family member or someone else to kind of bounce things off of. Do these fees sound appropriate? Does this sound okay? So you really have to educate yourself, right? Absolutely. That's really the number one thing. And I think that's where, you know, sometimes people go into fear about money because really our school systems don't do enough to teach us about money. They teach us about math. But they really don't. I mean, I, I don't remember ever being taught about compounding interests in high school. And no. yet. No,
3: I
0: wouldn't have listened anyway. I remember in math <laughs> class,
3: we had a, a a day where we were learning how to sign a check. And that was it. Wow. That was the extent <laughs> of our money That's managing skills. <laughs> they kind of yeah. leave that up to your family to teach you, which God knows right. most of us are kind of screwed. Well, and isn't that the problem? Yeah. If, if
1: don't come from a family. I think it's a lot like going back to the food. If you come from a family Oh my God. Yeah. Bingo you pick up on those unhealthy eating habits. And fortunately, a lot of us then get our own education on food. You know, maybe we find wonderful podcasts like you guys have or different (laughs) places, you know, but we really have to take that on if we don't come from a family that really values nutrition and clean eating and health, you know, so it's the same thing with money. If you don't come from that family, that's really taught you about balance. And I will say there's also sometimes you can really think you have a good relationship with money. But maybe you're still not enjoying life. So there is still like kind of another swing to the pendulum. you can not be in balance by overspending, but you can also be out of balance by not spending mm. you know where you're kind of just working or saving all your money but you're not enjoying life and you're not ever taking a vacation maybe or something and all your money is just sitting in the bank but like you're never going to dinner with and enjoying life. you know what I mean like kind of getting out there and living. So it's really about being in balance.
0: I think it's about being in balance in all areas of our life. And Susie and I always talk about this. And we haven't really brought the financial part in very often. So I'm really glad we're talking about this. And um, as we were talking, and you were talking about, you know, get educated, and we were talking about the book, I brought up my notes that I personally took. Um, So I just wanted to share that with Food Heals Nation because it really, this is really what helped me besides what Tony talks about in terms of like changing your money story and believing you're worth it. Besides that, which I still want to get into, he really talks about how the financial advisor is not legally obligated to act with your best interest at heart. They don't even have to disclose if they have a conflict of interest. What were you going to say, Susie?
3: Interesting and horrible
0: at the same time. Right. So the law does not require them to act with your best interest So they could be like putting your money to or they could be
3: like hey invest in this and they could be making money from that.
0: That's exactly what they're doing and that's what a financial advisor is doing. So your broker is not your friend is what Tony Robbins says. Now Uh a fiduciary which is what he talks about they are legally required to put your needs above their own so they can give you conflict free advice and so they have to be registered and it's called the Registered Investment Advisors RIA and these fiduciaries have a very special license and that license comes with the responsibility, right? So if you tell them to do something and it's not in your best interest, they must tell you even if they would have made more money on it. So they have to look out for you, give you transparent advice and investment solutions to protect you from all the noise out there that, you know, you're like, you're reading yourself and you're like, oh, this looks like a good investment. This company I like is going public. It may not be. And a talented fiduciary will find you an investment opportunity that safely helps you allocate your assets while giving you a reasonable return and hopefully a significant return if you find the right environment. But the point is, find a fiduciary that is registered, R-I-A, registered investment advisor. So that was my biggest takeaway from the book. I just wanted to share that because I just pulled it up while we were talking. I think that's very valuable for many people. But let's go back to like our spiritual relationship with money and the stories that we tell ourselves and how do we overcome those? Like I know my story was like, I grew up regular middle class and I was competing in high school just kind of like you were where I was like, I don't have the brand new jeans and the brand new shoes and all that kind of stuff. So I remember I wanted to work and get a job very early just so I could buy the material things to keep up with, you know, the high school Joneses and everything like that. And then when I got older, we actually became quite wealthy. And so all of a sudden we were going out to fancy dinners and my dad was buying fancy cars and all that kind of stuff. So then I was like, that's what wealth looks like. It's going out and doing things. And I'm with you. If it doesn't bring you that joy then it's a waste. If yes. it does bring you joy, it's not. So I can look back at that time and go, I was seeing it as lavish, but it was actually bringing my dad joy because he had come from going bankrupt to a millionaire. He worked for it. He, Of course he did. Now, did he go too far at times? I don't know. I would say that's not for me to decide, but my impression of it was this lavish life. And so... It went from middle class to lavish life. And then when he died, my money story changed because all of his investments and all of that got tied up and I didn't know anything about money management. And I wasn't the executor of the state. And so he died and and I lost all the money because I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't have any control. And then my money story was, you have to work so hard or you're going to have nothing. Because I went from having everything to having nothing. And so that's been my story ever since is that you better hustle or you're going to lose it all. And I've been hustling ever since. And Carla was at our mastermind with Gabby. And Gabby said, well, first of all, Gabby went around the room and gave advice to everyone. And when she started with everyone else, she's like, here's how you're going to change your business. When she started with me, she goes, you got the business, honey. You're running. You are running (laughs) and you got to work on your story, on your trauma. And Mm -hmm. so my story has changed and I'm I'm working on it. But Carla, and I'm doing tapping, um, but Carla, how can we change our money stories, whether they came from growing up, whether they happened later in life? How do we change those stories?
1: I think it's shifting your perspective on it and seeing the good in it. You know, where is the gratitude and the lessons learned? Yes. What can you take from that and say, I choose to see this differently. I choose to see this with, you know, love over fear Mm -hmm. is what's the love in this rather than the fear in this. And the truth is a lot of us do have these money stories, regardless whether it's, We've been in poverty or we've been rich or, you know, middle class, wherever we are. It's funny because we all have this money story that kind of works against us, mm-hmm. which sounds crazy. But yeah, regardless, because the people that are poor think, oh, if I was just rich, it would all be fine. And the people that are rich are like, well, you know, they, they have guilt over not having struggled.
3: Yeah. But we all forever. hear those stories about people that win the lottery and that wind up just as poor as they were before they yes. were because they haven't the changed story. their story. You're right. And they, they spend changed. all yeah. of their millions or whatever they want. Yeah. And they're right back, if not worse. Yeah. Than where they were. Yes. I think the big piece of
1: it, regardless, whether it's poverty or middle class or wealthy or just wherever you're at, is that gratitude and seeing Mm. the positive in it. Because the truth is, if you live in America, but really, if you're probably anywhere in the Western world, having the means to even listen to a podcast, you're likely one of the wealthier in our world, you know, because safe assumption. (laughs) Yeah, like 70. I just looked up the stats earlier. It's 70% of our world lives on less than $10 a day. That's $300 a month. Mm. So I think it's safe to assume the majority of our listeners here. Have more than three to a hundred dollars a month. Mm-hmm. And granted, the cost of living in America is a little bit higher, but for the most part, a lot of us do live in great, you know, safe places. Even if it's not the best place, it's not third world unsafe where we can't even drink the water. So I think there is something about just being in gratitude for where you're at and appreciating what you do have and then looking at what's the next step to change this. What is it that I even want to change? Because just saying I want to change it all, that's overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So with anything you've got to narrow in, what's your first step into changing that? What is it that you really want to change? about your money story what that first thing is it maybe just earning more money or is it holding on to money not spending so much and even there you kind of got to break it down into a more narrow focus and to steps
0: and I know you like to talk about the feeling process, and it reminds yeah. me of The Secret, the movie. Yes. <laughs> I can't do it without you doing just Oprah. Stepped, you stepped into Oprah right there. I have to do Oprah. But, um, I in- love Oprah. <laughs> Who doesn't, doesn't love Oprah? Okay. She's she cheap.
3: just keeps getting better and better, like a fine wine. Yes, that's true. She really does.
0: But in The Secret, they talk about feeling the feeling of having what you want. And I know you have a story about this with your car, and I would love to hear about that story.
1: So this one is around in terms of how to spend our money and in terms of spending your money and ensuring that we feel good about it and in balance. So I recently bought a new And I knew I needed to. My car was, I don't know, six or seven years old, had a gazillion miles on it, and yada, yada. But yeah, so I was ready to purchase a new car. And I really kind of was taking my own advice about how to make this purchase. You know, I've done some of this inner work. And my number one goal and feel most desired feeling is freedom, especially large purchases. I don't necessarily do this when I'm going to Starbucks. (laughs) (laughs) but. Um, You know, when I'm making a large purchase or any sizable purchase, I really kind of look at things from this perspective is I was like, well, my number one desired goal is freedom in life, including financial freedom. So in order to keep achieving that, I have to be wise with my money. I then went through and I was like, well, what really are my desires with this car? You know, I kind of wanted an SUV for some various reasons. So I could have family in there and friends and take trips, Mm -hmm. um, I really wanted like a light colored car. I had had two dark colored cars in the past. I was like, I really want white and a lighter interior, you know? So for whatever reason, I had kind of that desire of the color. And I kind of went through this process and I was like, okay, if this is what I really want, I don't need necessarily a brand new car to achieve those feelings. And in fact, that's one of the ways I got that $10,000 exercises. I was like, well, when I had started shopping, I was like, well, the 217 costs this much money. I don't even remember what it was. But if I get a 216 used, I can save, it was actually 15,000 off the MSRP of the brand new. So yeah, that's where I kind of had to get real with myself. Like if my number one goal is freedom, and I can meet all these other desires I have with this car, I could not be happier. And, you know, with my purchase, and I have no guilt, because I'm so aligned with the price, with what I spent, that there's not this like buyer's remorse or this guilt of I overspent. So I really kind of came into alignment and and actually I got a steal on it. So I really think it's something I kind of manifested because the price I got on it, I got the colors I wanted, the price I wanted. It's super low miles. It was like 12,000 miles on it. It was 11 months old, but you know, it's really kind of just pinpointing what is it that I truly want that will, you know, make me feel good inside.
3: That's a really good point. And I can sometimes feel better or even like a high if I get something on sale or like you said, like you, yeah. you got a better deal on your car than you thought you could. Even better than if I had gotten the newer one because it, yes. you're, you're getting in touch with whatever that inner feeling is of like, like I, I shop on certain websites for clothes because they're discounted, but, but there's still the brands that I love I sound like a commercial right now. They're the trends <laughs> that I love, <laughs> and, I, and I get such a satisfaction of be like, oh, I I got like twenty percent off, like I I won. You know, it's, it's such an interesting feeling. I've known it's a it's a new passion of mine.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big fan of Danielle Laporte, the desire mapping, and I always go back to this. You're not chasing the goal, you're chasing the feel. So in buying a new car and buying a purse and buying a new dress is what is it that you're really chasing? What's that feeling? You know, like I had used the dress, like you want to feel sexy or I want a new power. Maybe you're going interviewing. I want a power outfit to really feel confident. You know, it's okay to spend money. It's just what's that feeling behind it and acknowledging that feeling. And maybe you can get the power suit. You don't have to spend $500 for the power suit. You can get one for 100
0: you know? Yep. And so, um, Carla, tell us about your experience with being – you're a spirit junkie. And so talk about –
1: Yeah. Hello. I'm fresh off. I'm still on the spirit junkie
0: high. <laughs> I bet. So how many have you done now?
1: I've been to two level ones. Okay. So I just got back from my second trip to level one. Love it. Um, where I'm still riding on the Smear Junkie High, mm-hmm. and I, I keep riding on it for quite some time. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to, you know, I have my digital that I'll keep riding on it with. I love I digital. Love digital because it'll, yeah, I can keep riding with it and check back in and still get what I need from it. So good um, So yeah, and then I've been to level one or level two once now. And I'm looking at going back in the fall. I just like I had mentioned, I travel a lot. So I'm just trying to align all my traveling. But yeah, I think I'll be back there. It's amazing. Well, I'm going to level two for sure. So I hope to see you there. Yay. So many people are going back. It's going to be amazing. I need to be there just because otherwise, it'll be a big FOMO on my end going on.
0: (laughs) I already have FOMO for not going to the New York one. But uh, can you tell our listeners a little bit about about what's being a spirit junkie means to you and what like level one really taught you
3: and why did you do
0: it twice because uh, we can't get enough okay sorry yeah i answered for her because <laughs> you're junkies we're junkies uh, I, I, i'm <laughs> honest,
1: not even sure i can do it justice but i will try my best okay you can uh, do
0: it justice you just have to experience it it's, Am your, I right? it's, it's your experience tell us your experience
1: really is I mean it's something so large it's also larger than I'm able to express because it's really a movement and a community and it's so beyond Gabby Bernstein you know she's more just the servant or the channel for an amazing message amazing work Mm -hmm. um it's a movement. It's huge, really a community about bringing love into the world and light into the world and living in reality, going through life and all life throws at us and how to work with life in a place where we choose love and we lean in towards our faith and not towards the fear or resistance in life. Yeah. And really about creating a life we love. She does talk a lot about business building in Spirit Junkie. I mean, Masterclass, that is a big piece of it. But there really is a lot even for those who really just want to bring change into their workplace, if you know, and just kind of be some sort of positive spiritual leader of some sort in any way out in the world, whether it's through their own Business through a current business, through a yoga studio, through there's always a handful of lawyers there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there were some like financial Thank God. people. I mean, they just these people blow me away. And she always has so many amazing stories about how these people have brought these spiritual practices into their corporate world. Mm-hmm. You know, and they might not be speaking some of the language of God or spirit or universe, but they can still take the principles and practices that Gabby teaches in the masterclass and just through her teachings in general, and you can still take those into wherever you you work. (laughs) It's amazing. I went back the second time because really I'm a different person than I was last year when I went.
0: Wow. So in that year, how did your personal life and your business change and grow?
1: a big shift towards spirituality. You know, I used to, I I think it's something I always knew I wanted to weave into my work. I used to follow some other people. And I just, I kind of knew being a spiritual teacher in some way was something I was meant to do. I just didn't see myself really preaching more about like the Bible kind of a teacher, if that makes sense, a lot more about just the spirituality, the love. It's really just about kind of the personal growth piece of the, the spirituality that I love. But I do, for me, I have to intertwine that with my faith and what I believe. For me, the two go hand in hand.
3: Which is the basic tenet of, I'm assuming you're, you said church, you're, I'm assuming you're of Christian faith, which is yeah. the basic tenet of Christianity. Which is to love everybody, which I think we can all agree translates through every religion, which if that's what you're preaching is just love, then yeah. then you got it. That's, yeah. that's, and, and in my experience, that's it. You know, it's, it, as, it. as Gabby says, it's love or fear, right? You pick one of the two yeah. and, and that's it. I mean, you can summate it. Yep. So, yeah.
0: Love yourself and love others. That's the moral of the story.
3: And she
1: obviously goes so into it with what that really means. You know, so she definitely is not a fluff teacher, you know, just saying love, you know, it may sound a little fluff, but she really goes into it. You know, how to be in alignment with your money and your finances in abundance, owning your worth, choosing that love over the fear, even into living your message. So for people that have some sort of message or story of healing they want to get out into the world as messengers, you know, how to do that and overcome our fears. So many of us have such amazing stories. We have these stories that are holding us back. And because of that, we are not being of service to others when we hold ourselves back. We really, really need to share our healing stories because so many of us Needed. There's areas of my life I continue to heal from and I need people to tell me their healing stories because that's how we all work with each other.
0: That's how we heal. You hear someone else has overcome it and you're like, maybe I can do it too. One of my favorite quotes from Gabby that sits on my mirror,
1: my healing healed her. So the fact she chose to heal areas of her life is because she healed. She's now able to help heal others. My healing healed her.
3: That's totally
0: true. Gorgeous. I love it. So Carla, where can everyone find you online, get personal coaching with you, all that good stuff?
3: Yeah, my
1: um, website is actually just my name. So it's K-A-R-L-A for Carla and K U E B E R K-U-E-B-E-R.com. And yeah, everything is on my website. I'm kind of a newer transitioning into blogging, but I've got quite a few blog posts up and That blogging is actually a big passion of mine. And I really want to do more blogging because I just like podcasting. I really feel like we can reach the masses when we voice ourselves out there.
0: I couldn't agree more. And I really enjoyed reading your blog post when I was preparing for this episode. So thank
1: you. Good job, girl. And yeah, and I do offer coaching as well. Fabulous. And so can you leave us with a tweetable? Yes. Live in the feeling you
0: are desiring most and you will manifest more of it. I love it. If you like that, tweet it to Carla at Carla Kieber, K U E B E R. Tweet it to us at Food Heals Nation and use the hashtag Food Heals Podcast so we can see your post. And you also sent me another tweetable I'll just read out loud, which is focus on inner joy and outer joy will appear. I love that one as well. So thank you so much for being here, Carla. Thank you, Carla. Thank you both for having me. This is a joy. Hope you enjoyed our interview with Carla. I know I learned a lot. Our Spirit Junkie podcast series continues on Tuesday with Tony Lewis, who also has an incredible personal journey to share, and she's just a rock star when it comes to creating your dream business. Super excited to bring you that interview. And don't
3: forget to check out Gabby Bernstein's second video in her free three-part training series, The Three Major Blocks to Your Abundance and How to Fix Them, which you can access by going to
0: foodhealsnation.com Gabby. And in this training, Gabby busts the myth that it's not spiritual to earn for your great work, and she gives her step-by-step process for bringing purpose into your career.
3: So keep listening to the Spirit Junkie podcast series to hear step-by-step guidance from spirit junkies on how to start or grow your spiritual or wellness business, infuse your work with your spiritual beliefs, get noticed by the media, and be abundant doing what you love.
0: Yep, and we've got lots more bonus content and extra episodes for you throughout the month of June where we're going to be talking about how to turn your wellness blog into a business, how to publish your book, how to lead a talk, how to create digital courses so that you can create passive income for the great work that you're doing in the world.
3: And we know there are a lot of budding podcasters out there, so we're also going to be discussing how to create market, and monetize your podcast and make a greater impact doing what you love.
0: So you're going to get all the tools that we use and everything that we've learned doing this for almost two years now. We really want to share that with you. So many people have reached out and said, I want to start a podcast. Can you give me some advice? So we're going to put all our advice into this training series and make that available to you very soon. You're going to hear all about that. At the end of june june 23rd to be precise and let's end on a little trailer from spirit junkie masterclass digital this is straight from gabby bernstein
2: imagine what it would feel like to live and lead from a place of purpose to experience genuine happiness and know that your happiness is elevating the world that's why i created the spirit junkie masterclass This is a course that helps people take the ideas that they've been thinking about, meditating on, talking about, and turn them into reality. Since completing the course, my life and business has completely transformed. Gabby shares everything
0: inside the masterclass. Taking this masterclass, I really learned to believe in myself and that I could do it. It will give you the tools to be successful in your new life. I know that I have an amazing community to reach out to, as well as the Lifetime
2: tool. I've gone on to lead retreats and speaking events. I'm in the process of writing my first book. Sign up for digital. It is a game changer. Um, It just
1: put me on a totally different path. I switched back from this fear-based system back into love and I started writing again. It has literally caused
0: me a rebirth. So just take the course.
2: Become part of a movement that is raising the collective consciousness of the world. This course is 100% online so you can take the program from anywhere in the world and there's no travel involved. You'll have a unique combination of deep dive spiritual practices and practical business building tools which will add up to a massive transformation and shift in your career and in your life. This is an opportunity in front of you. And it is my hope that you take it because it's not just about you, it's about a greater healing of the world.
0: So if you're interested in taking Spirit Junkie Digital Masterclass, we'll be giving you all the dirty details on the podcast starting June 23rd. I'll tell you all about what the training did for me to uplevel my health and to expand my business. And Susie and I will tell you all the amazing bonuses we're going to offer you when you sign up for Spirit Junkie Digital Masterclass. See you next time, Food Heals Nation.